0: Welcome to Echoes Down the Road, presented by the band West of House. My name is Bobby and in this, the fifth episode of season two, we continue our song by song journey through the album Drown the Wind. Join Eric, Lance, and myself as we dive into the song Sunshine Girl and have yourself a good laugh as Lance and I try to decipher the meaning behind Eric's songwriting. Will this be the episode where we finally get it right? Stay tuned to find out.
1: Well, welcome back, Westies. We are here joining you for episode five as we break down Sunshine Girl. And we are a power trio once again tonight as some member who beats things, his drums, that's what he plays, uh, was kind of a no-show with a late flight. So I am Lance, joining you and introducing this episode. And who am I here with tonight?
0: Uh, This is Bobby, the uh, mix engineer and occasional stunt vocalist and guitarist.
2: Hey, this is Eric. I'm your normal Sonic tour guide, but we decided to give Lance the keys to the kingdom tonight. That was a great introduction, man. You did a good job. I was going to give myself about a B minus, but, you know, I'm hard on myself. Hey, it's better than an F. I mean, if you crashed and burned, it would have been an Easter egg. But but the way you just, you know, you, you weren't a jerk about it. You just slow and steady and, and, and worked out well. And I stared right at you as... We, uh, it was good. There was good. There was good eye contact. <laughs> I mean, the, the you people at home, you can't, you know, appreciate the eye contact since you're listening on your phones or in your car stereo or whatever you're listening to. Yes. But you know, we have the beauty of Skype here, so I get to see these two handsome young gentlemen, you know, staring yeah. at me from from the ether, and and it's nice. It gives me a warm feeling. Would you say I finished strong though? Okay, you did finish strong.
3: Okay, great. It, stuff. it was
2: perfect. There, there was no doubt that that you were done. Awesome. that's the perfect amount yeah you you did good man you know uh, well I mean I I should probably just go take a nap because Lance obviously has this in hand but you know it's episode 5 we're back Uh, you know why don't we start out the way we need to start out to fully get going All right. so what
1: you drinking there Lance well, I've got... Well, let me open this thing. Let's get some acoustics
2: here. Gotta have the sound. Yeah.
1: Oh, it did spill all over my my MacBook. Now I no longer am spilling on my wife's. It, it sounded a little disappointing. So this this is... I'm drinking an apple cider, which is not a normal thing I ever drink. But there's a story with this. First of all, it's called Lowball, and there's a bunch of casks on this thing. Uh, this comes out of Shaxbury and Whistle Pig. It's a barrel-aged highball cider but yet called lowball. There's a lot of irony there.
2: And uh this is a six- a, high, a highball that's a lowball. Yeah, so it's called lowball but it's barrel-aged highball cider, so you know. Now you mentioned you mentioned Whistle Pig is does it have any uh relationship with Whistle Pig the whiskey?
1: Yes, it does. In fact, it is uh Let's read this. It's a whiskey-flavored highball cider. And this comes out of Vermont. Lovely state over there. Another one of those little guys I've never visited, but Sunday. And uh, it's Shaxbury. Cider is the brewery name. So it, uh, it's pretty awesome. It's gluten-free for those who care about that stuff. And it does taste that. It's actually more of a beer flavor that has like an apple finish. My wife, my wife did not like it because she doesn't like
2: beer. So, it it's ma- it's aged in whiskey. You said whiskey barrels, yeah, and it's a cider that tastes like beer.
1: Yeah, it's a whiskey flavored cider. Whiskey,
2: fla- okay, whiskey flavored, not and, aged, and it's barrel aged, but but it tastes like beer, but it's whiskey flavor.
1: Sure, that's it, weird. Yeah, and it's a sixteen ounce tall boy, so it's actually kind of a fun little adventure that's now foaming
2: in my mouth. Yeah, they're they're doing a lot there. There is, there's a lot going on. They're not messing around there. No. They really got the whole thing covered. Yes. I'll
0: have to look out for that. That sounds delicious. I like ciders like that every now and then. Yeah, it's not sweet.
1: That's what I like about it. It's not sweet at all. It has kind of a like I said a beer with a nice little apple
2: finish in your mouth. Yeah, the few ciders I've had that I've enjoyed have been more on the drier side. Not too sweet, overly sweet and you know, you might as well have a soda. It's you know, but being a beer and whiskey guy, I don't want a lot of sweet things in my mouth. I want, you know, something exciting.
0: I, I like, yeah, I like them kind of tart. Personally, I'm a big sour guy, so I like more kind of tart sort of ciders. Like well, that. you're
2: you're amongst good company because Lance and yeah. I are, are are sour fiends. It just sucks that as you get older, you got to take some Prilosec before you have one. <laughs> yeah, that second one really gets you. Doesn't it? What what is it with you know the getting older and the heartburn that comes with Sours it's its not fun I, I love Sours so much but that's a bitch man it sucks yeah the pipes I think are corroding
1: or something in there
2: it must be uh, as long as the liver's okay we can keep going so uh, what song are we doing today we are tackling Sunshine Girl are we not we are
1: super excited about this episode it, it um, probably is the most common song when I just have like a quick drive that's the one I'm gonna play
2: um, so just like out of the blue that should, that's your hit single in the car. <sighs> it's it's
1: hard to say hit single. It's more of a mood song for me like when I'm in this contemplative mindset and I don't have a lot of time or whatever like this I just I play this one more than probably any other song and on this new album and it might be my favorite, but it's only because I it's almost like I need it more than any other song and it's not because it's better. It just feeds my soul more than any other song on this album.:
2: So is it when you're in a contemplative mood or a contemplative mood, Which one would that be?: Gosh, those sometimes
1: can be the same emotion. Um,
2: I very I would say similar. Contemplated would
1: probably just once, of
2: course. You know, said wrong. Well, that's correct. Yeah, Dio. If if we <laughs> <laughs> if, if we've learned anything from from you on this podcast is that every episode you're going to mispronounce some basic word. But I appreciate you for it. One, it's good content, and two, it's like you know a little character faux pas that we find endearing. Normally, they're three syllable Well, Not normally. Not yeah, syllables. Normally. Normally but no. <laughs> the emphasis S-syllables. on the wrong no, yeah, normally a, the syllables definitely Anyhow, right, we're just, doing
0: the whole episode like that now
2: this is this is what I appreciate about you Lance <laughs> I
1: appreciate that you appreciate me
0: oh he didn't get the reference
2: <laughs> I keep trying to get him to watch Letterkenny, but uh, Lance is really dragging his feet there
1: no Eric sends me clips that's all I got so
0: far
2: yeah just don't play him at work figure it out all right so let's uh talk about uh, Sunshine Girl. Uh, So if you haven't already, this is a great time to queue it up on Spotify or Apple Music or iHeartRadio wherever you listen to to streaming music and give it a listen right now so you kind of know some of the things that we're talking about. We're also going to play it at the end of the episode, but there is nothing wrong with a good bookend of Sunshine Girl. So press pause, give it a play. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, This is going to be an interesting episode and I swear to God, it's going to be shorter than most of our episodes. And that's not a bad thing because I think the point that we're going to get to, we can get to very fast. So we're going to kind of talk about the history of Sunshine Girl. This was written kind of halfway through the sessions for Drown the Wind. It was written in late March. And I wrote the music and the lyrics uh, in the span of about 24 hours over March 28th and 29th. And interestingly enough, which you guys may not know, this is one of the few songs where the name never changed. You know, we have a lot of songs where it was known as something and then, you know, we became a real title. Like Clouds Became Fall Down or Float Became the First Time. This one was always Sunshine Girl. That's true. And now that you say that,
1: I don't know, besides a couple of the very, very first ones that you had sort of done,
2: have is there any other song that we've ever kept it? Well, I mean, there there were some that were done and we'll talk about that like n- next episode in Beautiful Distraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That but was, like that was always Beautiful Distraction, but that was an older song.
1: Yeah, and Fallen like you had the bones of Fallen, but the stuff that we've written once we started this whole project, I don't know if there's another one that we've ever kept.
0: I was going to ask was um American Always American?
2: No, no. American was Ride the Tiger. Okay. Yes. Remember? Ride it. That, that, come on, that was last Ride episode, the tiger. man. Yeah.
0: I guess it oh, was yeah. just
2: just last week we talked about that. Yeah, just and last, though last week. week. You know, was like you know two months ago because <laughs> we record with some breaks in the middle. But yeah, American was a ride of the tiger. Okay, but I Lance, you may be right. I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of another song that kept its original demo name. Now I want to
1: follow up with another question, which is probably kind of cheating here, and we are going to get here later, but. You called it Sunshine Girl and did that then, you wrote this, I know we're going to talk about the music and the lyrics, but did the lyrics kind of, were they influenced by the fact that you kind of gave that little false name
2: initially and kind of went with it from there? So, and, and we will get more into that. The first, I, I you know, since I, I said I wrote the music and the lyrics, you know, very close together within the span of 24 hours, the first thing I came up with was the chorus the sunshine girl where are you going sunshine girl where have you been so that as soon as I wrote it that came out it's awesome and so I, and so I just said hey it, it's gonna be called sunshine girl love it love it which is good because every time I said sunshine girl you guys weren't confused and now that it's on the album you you know exactly which song we're talking about the first time ever oh nice use of the first time too <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't even know if you meant to do that that was kind of meta very I, very nice job I, I won't tell I won't tell if you won't tell
0: we'll we'll, um, get into this probably with some mixing too, but it's funny you mentioned that because when you gave me a couple of songs, um, Float was one of them. And when we go back to post-production at the end of uh, mixing all these songs, we go back to master and sequence them, put them in the right order and finalize them. Some of them still live under their original fake titles on my hard drive. So whichever one was Float, I know we just mentioned it, Twenty seconds. Uh, that,
2: ago. <laughs> that would be the first. <laughs> that was time. the
0: first time. It it when you put out the list. The okay, we're going with this order of songs. I remember. Wait, which one's the first time? Is it? Is it Clout? No, no. Oh, it's Float. Okay, yeah. So some because sometimes I still get the fake title even after the song's been recorded, and you're still trying to decide if it should be this line from the chorus or that line from the chorus or these two words that you mention in the second verse or that sort of thing. And yeah. Um, so I appreciate that about sunshine girl is that it stayed sunshine girl the whole time. And I never lost it on my hard drive.
2: Is that what you appreciates about well, it?
0: Well, that's what I appreciate about you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at my uh, song folders for drown the wind and some of mine are still, you know, the old ones that clouds is in there. float. Uh, oh, slip and slide. And s- we didn't even do that one. Uh, spiders is still in there. Oh Damn. yeah.
0: Spiders. <laughs>
2: oh my. So this is, this is a fun one. We'll talk about it in a later episode. But this one's called Tasty Grub and Grog. Do you remember what that became?
0: Oh. Um crap. That was um was that um Irish Goodbye?
2: No. No. no this is that? Drown the Winds Drown the Wind song. Apropos?
0: That's nice! That was, that was gonna be my next Well guess, done, but... Lance.
2: That was apropos. That was Kevin sent me that uh sample. And he called it tasty grub and grog. <laughs> Kevin's names that he came up with; those are always the funniest.
1: All right, Lance um, one, Bobby zero. I, I, I'm impressed with myself because what did I get on that
2: last quiz? Like twenty percent at best. Oh, the the quiz in on uh, nothing is but what is not. Yeah, you got two right, just like I predicted. At but, a ten, you know. Hey, you're one for one today. It's a hundred percent. So we should probably end the episode, so you can finally leave here a winner.
0: All right, so don't forget to check out uh Drown the Wind on all your favorite <laughs> streaming programs and
2: hit us up on YouTube. <laughs> okay, so you know, let's uh let's play a little bit of the demo right now. And you guys can kind of hear how little this song changed. So here we go. So there you go. Uh not too much has changed, has it boys?
0: No, it's uh, like the essence of the song is pretty much there. The the instrumentation is pretty much there. Um yeah, it I mean it it sounds like you cranked it out pretty fast and you were just not really second guessing it. Like that was the song.
2: Yeah, there wasn't I don't know. I I mean I I want to say it's intentional. But when I had written, you know, I wrote the music, I wrote the lyrics, I throw it together. Obviously, there's no vocals on that demo. They came a little later. Well, literally the next day. Uh, but it, it just, it felt complete, you know? I mean, we I added keys. So the keys aren't there on the demo. And we did some stuff with the guitar effects. And Bobby will get into some of that in the mixing portion of the album. But the song, when a song feels done, it's like, why mess with it?
0: So, and we'll get into the instrumentation here, but uh, it was really stripped back as far as uh number of tracks, you know, just a couple of guitars, the keys, bass, handful of vocals. Um, and I'm really, I was actually kind of surprised. I went through the session earlier today just to kind of refresh myself on the session and um, how the track was built out. And I, I was kind of surprised how minimal the tracking was and I was wondering if that if that was intentional or if it just was kind of a happy, like, oh, no, I've got two guitars and eventually a keyboard track. It's done.
2: You know, I'm, I'm going to go with intentional. Okay. Because, because I, uh, and, and we'll kind of segue into the guitars here. There's only two guitar tracks on that, which as we've talked about, about other songs with West of House, there's like, oh, geez, what, 10? 15 maybe sometimes. We've got guitars upon guitars. We are if any band is guilty of you know overproducing, there's queen and then there's probably us. We just layer so much stuff. And I just realized that I compared ourselves to Queen and probably people will hunt me down and kill me. But you know, in an in a producing sense, we like layers because we like kind of the soundscape that that we create. But with Sunshine Girl, two guitars was all it needed so what you're hearing now this is the first guitar track this was the original one how i wrote it and there's just kind of open chords uh it's going through that progression it's it's the foundation of the song uh i i'm probably gonna you know get hate mail for this and i have to use a quote from reb beach uh bobby probably knows who he is lance of course has no idea
1: Zero idea. No,
2: no actually, no, Bobby's looking confused. <laughs> okay, Reb Beach is the guitarist for Winger. Yes, ah. Winger. But Reb Beach said, and it stuck with me, I heard this in the 80s, he said, the best songs can be played on acoustic guitar around a campfire at the beach. And that has always stuck with me. That You can put a lot of stuff in, but if you can't always also play it on one guitar, then is it really a good song? And so that, that first track that you heard, you know, that's just the chords of Sunshine Girl. It's driving the whole thing. This can be done on an acoustic guitar at the beach. And that felt really good to me. Now, the second track, this one you're hearing right now. So this, you know, this is our right ear. This has more of a melodic single note feel. Uh, there's some arpeggiated phrasing, you know, and it's it's a complement to that first guitar track uh we have a lot of songs where we'll double you know left and right ear the same parts uh played differently of course but the same parts to kind of give it a big thick sound but in this one i I went for a really complimentary guitar sound because i only wanted two guitars and you know that i i felt like the single note phrasing of this track really went along well with the open chords from the first and that created the base of this song which was it was it was really fun because it's kind of different. When we talked about uh, American, you know, you guys heard so many guitar parts that we'd put together, where this turned out to be a very simple thing. Now, the only thing missing, you know, in my mind, was kind of some keys to fill it out. And I wanted something ambient and filling. Let's play that now. There's, there's not a lot going on with the keys. But there doesn't have to be, because you don't want your ear drawn to, you know, some really cool descending lick, which would work in a different song, but doesn't work here. You just want kind of the beauty. It's like, I don't know, it's like a long shot in Yellowstone. You're looking out upon the expanse, and it's just, you don't need a lot of fluff here, you know, to get your point across. And that was kind of what I was doing with the keys here. Just creating, again, to use the term that I used earlier, the soundscape
0: and the keys, um. And again, I keep jumping into mixing, and I have a bunch of stuff I want to talk about when we get there, but as you're talking about this, uh, from a mixing and production standpoint, too, the keys lived in the center and helped kind of tie those two different guitar parts together, and they almost function, the two guitars and the keys, as one massive instrument, um, which I just thought was a cool production um, recording choice.
2: Yeah, you did one thing that you did in the song that I that I really loved is, you know, if you're just giving a cursory listen to the song, it's kind of hard to dif- differentiate between some of the guitars and the keys because it all just sounds like one, you know, one flower bed, so to mm-hmm. speak. And we do that in Fall Down also. In Fall Down, there's no keys, but the guitars, you know, they always get mistaken for keyboards in that song because kind of the atmosphere that they create and you know you took the three tracks and it sounds huge you know when you listen to it
0: <laughs> and that's that's a ton of reverb too um and i am saving that for the mixing cuz i want to make some points about that but um yeah no the the arrangement worked out awesome um it was just a, just yeah i like the word flowerbed for that
2: yeah, well, I won't steal your thunder ahead of yeah, time. You
0: know, we'll, I keep stealing we'll it from wait myself. wait we get to
2: the mixing. <laughs> but, you know, coming from the songs that, you know, we've talked about on this album so far, you know, this was purposely kept simple. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, it's easy to get pigeonholed. We could do, you know, we could think of West of House. Let's do 60 tracks in every song and we'll fill it with this. Sometimes you just want to, you know, be able to sense some space. And the song has such a beautiful lilting feel to it that overproducing it, in my opinion, would have ruined it.
0: And I think uh, from a sequencing point, too, putting that after both Entwined and American gives you kind of a nice break, too, with how sort of chill and relaxed it is, sonically speaking.
1: Yeah, it's a good palate cleanser, as they might say.
2: There you go. Yeah, we take people through the ringer.
0: Yeah, no, we, we, we kind of invite them in with uh, with nothing is but what is not. And then we just kind of beat them up this upside the head with a one-two punch. And now we let them rest a little bit, kind of catch their breath.
1: Yeah, you heal up, especially after American. It's, uh, if you really break that one down, as we've talked about. And then you follow up with this one. It's I, I like to use this artistic soundscape that this song kind of plays out with just those three lines that you were sharing. Um, It does carry everything As you said It's that bass line Not to be confused with me playing bass But it it sets the tone for the whole song And we'll get to that when I talk for me But that's what I love about it It's so simple But it's so big And and it has this artsy scape to it it, Like you said It is beautiful And I'm not going to try to powder sugar us It's just the truth It's a
2: lovely song Oh, thank you it's i mean it, it may be my favorite on the album you know oh. this is kind of the one this this is kind of the one that i go to also when i listen to it today you know prior to the episode and i don't know it evokes certain emotions in me and we'll talk about that when we get to like the lyrical content of it but it's it, it's an easy song to listen to
0: it, it's almost meditative
2: yeah yeah that that's a great word for it you know, we, you could, you could do some great goat yoga to this
0: song. Lance, Ooh. that's meditative. Thanks. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> meditative. I don't want to admit that's... how long that took me to think of how to mispronounce it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that would be
2: hard. You'd probably stroke her out if you had to do it I twice. I almost did. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good one. Impressive. So, hey, so here, here's a fun little fact. Uh, So there is actually uh, some Kevin tracks from this song. I don't know if anyone knew that before today. Did you guys know that at all? It sounds familiar, but I don't know
1: what it is. I couldn't distinguish it.
0: I learned of it about, let's say, 30 minutes ago when I finalized my (laughs) notes section on our notes for this episode, and I see secret Kevin version.
2: Secret Kevin version. So Kevin laid down some tracks. Usually he'll send me some ideas for a song and in May he sent me some of these and, and they were good. And then uh, his wife uh, went into labor a little bit earlier than expected. So we were, he wasn't able to flesh it out. We had only about 30 seconds of some Kevin ideas. So they didn't make it onto the track. Who knows what would have happened, how it would have sounded if they did. Uh, but you know, let's play a little clip of that now because I have an MP3 with some some of Kevin's guitars on it. So let's play that right now. So there you go. I mean, that's it's it's different, you know, because we know the song. We've heard it so many times, you know, in its final form. So hearing something like this, it's like a little, whoa, what happened here?
0: I'd kind of like to, you know, once, uh, if we can ever get Kevin in on that, to kind of finish out and flesh out those parts, I think it'd be kind of cool to do a... It's almost like a...
2: sunshine, Sunshine Girl 2023?
0: But it's kind of a like a reverse let it be naked sort of thing from the Beatles. So now we've compared ourselves to Queen and the Beatles. So um.
2: reverse Nick so we put so we put
0: clothes on? Yeah. Is that- <laughs> but you know like I, I I kind of want to know what a fully like Yeah, actually yeah, like, I use that well, analogy. Yeah like, like where, where, up, where was
2: he
0: where was he gonna go song.
2: from there? You know, there's I mean there's some good ideas there. Where was he gonna go? What was he gonna do for the chorus? What was he gonna do for the bridge? Well I mean that, that that may be fun to do a Kevin version sometime in the future. And
0: being like an album person as I know the two of you are and you know we were lovers and appreciators of music. I love ear candy in songs and you know these little kind of extra bits that come in at certain spots and I always go back to Dark Side of the Moon as like the quintessential ear candy album uh, for me. And even though there are little bits of ear candy just kind of built into the synthesizer, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear what that could have been had Kevin had a little bit more time and, um, you know, happy for him to have had a baby. Congratulations to Kevin. Um, but I'm curious. I kind of want to know where it would have gone.
2: It, it's, you know, maybe we'll find out <laughs> at some point. Maybe he will dig deep into his bowels and pull out his tasty licks. I, I think a, a a different, a different sunshine girl version, you know, could be in the future that, that would be interesting not to take away from the version that's on the album because damn, that's, it's good. It, it's tasty. <laughs> it's very
0: well. Speaking of, speaking of tasty licks. Um, hey, Lance, tell us about your tasty Ooh. licks.
2: Yeah. Lance, t- tell us what you dropped on this track.
1: Well, that's what's so interesting about that song. As we mentioned, there's so much already there that I, I knew at this point I I couldn't be anything flashy on this one. This is I gotta find something complementary. So, you,
2: so you didn't go with bass tapping?
1: No, bass tapping. Uh, no, God, what was his name? Mark Levin from King Crimson. Did you ever see? He had drumsticks that Tony,
2: attached Tony to his. Tony. 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 That's there Tony it is. Levin. Tony Levin also with plays like, with Peter Gabriel. Yes, he did. But he, oh God, for a while, Lance. he put these like embarrassed yourself. Normally I would edit this out, but I, I'm going to leave it in <laughs> just, this is good. just so if you would just shut up. Shut up let me Lance. <laughs> Tommy's not here. So shut up, Lance. I'll take it. Mark Levin. That's like someone's periodontist. That's not, that's not a bass player. Hey, it could have been his son. Anyways, but I don't know if you guys know
1: this, but he was so experimental. He made a three-string bass at one point. He put like six-inch wooden drumsticks on his fingers and put like Velcro on it. And he was basically playing the drumsticks on a bass, but he needed the space. That's why it was only three strings. Anyways, he was kind of an iconic weirdo, but a fun guy to listen to. So I don't know how the hell we got on that tangent. But that being said, the verses as it starts out with are, for me, a very hypnotic lead line. Eric has some breathy vocals, which, like I said, are very beautiful. So I I knew at this point I I couldn't do anything fancy or flashy in this regards, but um, I needed to find a low end for those verses. I wanted to add some darkness, and that was only because the chorus lines to me were so uplifting. So I needed to find something in the notes that could be that darker side of things. To then shift gears for the uplifting chorus, which I, I was thinking they're very angelic and
2: uh, uplifting, and I can't wait. Angelic, I, you're just like—I mean—you keep going higher and higher to different levels of heaven.
1: I'm just saying, like it's so <laughs> breathy and beautiful, and that's why I'm so interested when it's always a reveal on these episodes. What the hell these lyrics mean? Because Eric keeps everything in a tight knit little box. So maybe I'm misreading that, which I often do. But my favorite section, at least musically, the bridge was the only time I could really interject anything that uh, was a little more fancy during Eric's... He didn't use lyrics, but his... -ah," All that kind of stuff. (laughs)
2: Oh, please, God, do it again. The, do it again. Those sing were the amazing.
1: It's mostly the ha, but, you know. <laughs> do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I'm going to nose puke my cider. Did you
2: say, did you say hoo-ha? Well. Did
1: you, it, did you literally sing hoo-ha? It, it, it's a ha, but it's it, it like you breathe it in, so it's like, ha. You know, you kind of lead in there. That's why I don't sing, but you're welcome, oh, Westy. Oh, you
2: should. You should now. Um.
1: But yeah, that that's where I took the liberty to add a little bit more adventure in my bass lines for that song, which you can hear some walking stuff. But but the rest, I just had to lay a nice, comfortable mattress down for the rest of the song.
0: So I have a recording question, and you may not remember the answer. Um, when you were recording your bass line, did you do anything differently as far as the recording setup? Did you roll your tone knob back to darken it up a little bit? or No. I don't, okay. you, okay. I don't know. Okay. That's okay. I
1: just, I, hey, I twiddle my knobs until it feels, I mean, sounds good. And then that's what I roll with.
0: I Okay. Oh, I, I have grievances. You to may be worse to than Tommy. Thing. This is
2: what, is there like, is there no such thing as a vacuum? When Tommy's not here, do you just fill the role? <laughs> I do my best. So much space. So, so much, much space. So much room for activities. Yes.
1: Anyways. But yeah, no, I don't know. I can't answer that, Bobby. I. That's okay. I think what I hear from his tracks, I just find something that matches, but generally I don't change much okay. when I begin. I mean, minus some of the songs where we're playing like some patches with fuzz or stuff, but right. But when I'm playing lines like this, generally there's only one or two different audio settings that I use for my recording that I use and just keep it super flat and dry and just let the fingers
0: preach. Okay. I have grievances to air when we get to mixing, but
2: <laughs> I can't wait.
0: Speaking of grievances, uh, Tom, Tommy played
2: some drums. I want to go back to. Uh, I, I want to go back to "Let the Fingers Preach." That's good. I like that. <laughs> That's a good statement. That should be the name of the next album.
0: Let the fingers preach.
2: Let the fingers preach. So, again, Tommy still hasn't shown up. Uh, Not shocking. Which is kind of a bummer. So we talked about in episode one, how 1A, since we separated episode one into two parts, but we talked about how Sunshine Girl, those were my favorite drums on the album because he did some really cool things on this. Uh, do do you, either of you guys want to kind of speak on that?
0: Uh, I could, because I just pulled the session back up to refresh. the. I think... A couple of the more interesting things he did was the not straight beat. It was not a straight 4-4, you know, kick-snare, kick-snare type rhythm. The snare is late. The snare is only on the 4, which I thought was an interesting thing. That plus his hi-hat playing um, just gave it an interesting rhythm and kind of a push and pull in the verses that really just lent itself to that sort of meditative vibe.
1: Yeah, and I'll add a little bit there, and I won't be as specific as Bobby, but this was one of those songs where, and maybe it's good that Tommy's not here, but he might want to fight me. But, you know, we talk about this all the time, about being a bass player, being a drummer, gosh, being a glockenspiel player, right? Like, you've got to play to the song and we've talked about this in previous episodes and Tommy can do it very well and some songs he likes to flash and do all of his talent and you know all that stuff which he's very talented but this like Eric said I agree Tommy played this song like he's never played I I would say with a, a first take second take I don't know how many times he sends stuff in but he played this song and what was created by Eric so well and masterfully, it was it was great. It, it added to the song. It didn't take away. It wasn't distracting. It was so complimentary. And if you are listening to this ever, Tommy, kudos to you for that.
0: I, I have to say the end of the song, and this is going to sound mean, but I mean it well, the end of the song... That little drum fill he does right at the end off the Tom and the snares is one of my favorite Tommy moments on the whole album.
2: At the end or going into the final chorus? Because the final the, the going into end. the final chorus. That that's the money shot for me. That's the good one.
0: And that's a great one too. But I think the ending, like ending a song can be kind of tough. Um, you know, we have a couple songs that fade, but like finding a good spot for a sense of finality. But uh for As far as that fill, yeah, the, the kind of that sort of thing. Just a great closer for that song. It's one of my favorite Tommy moments. So the one
2: thing I really like is, you know, his going into the uh, coming out of the last chorus, going into that final bridge section. He does a snare roll. So so let's play that for you right now. So, and now what Bobby's talking about, he's talking about this little beat at the end, which is kind of cool. He does this little fill. So let's hear that. All right. So those are both really cool. Those are good.
0: I like mine better. I
2: wish Tommy was here to talk about them. (laughs) You guys can decide out there which one you prefer. But, you know, I mean, overall, I mean, it's all awesome. His drumming on this, it's very, and he'll tell you if he were here, A lot of these were mistakes. A lot of these were pulled out of his back pocket. You know, he sent some stuff. He went, oh, I I messed up here. And it turned out to be really good, which is why we never let him change it.
1: Yeah, he nailed this song. And that's, you know, I'm sticking to it.
2: All right. Well, Tommy, you you had your chance. You decided to drive around and be late from the airport. So (laughs) you missed out on another song. That you could have said something. But at least we said good things about you
0: so we've talked about the bass the drums the guitars eric and the keys uh eric tell us about the vocals
2: ah the vocals on this there are actually more vocal tracks than anything else now tommy will say i had 17 mics it's one drum track we've had that conversation (laughs) drums are one track so there are more vocals on this than than all the other tracks combined and I think I sent you. I have written down. They sent you eleven, Bobby, and that probably includes some alt tracks to use if I screw something up. Uh, does that sound about right?
0: Yeah, that includes those those uh, those backing tracks. Um, the um, not backing, but the harmonies and the bridge, the 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 uh, two part stereo recorded um, vocals. And then you usually give me. In this case, I think it was a main lead verse, a main lead chorus. Uh, maybe a double for each one, and then some alt tracks. If we decided we didn't like, you know, the way you sang a certain line, we could pop another one in there, nice and quick. And um, it just gave us options. Uh, what What's funny to me uh, is I was looking at that and I saw eleven different vocal tracks. Yeah, but we actually only used six in the final song. Uh no, sorry, seven. There's a whisper in there too. Yeah, so sev- yeah, seven. Yeah, that was
2: were used. was that the. Uh- was that the God? Yeah. The God backing yep, vocal? Second verse. I love that line.
0: Whispers are so funny. It's,
2: it's a separate track, just the... <sighs> <laughs> and I, I doubled it. I think I did left and right for that one, too. No,
0: I don't think you did. Or if you did, I only used the one and just put a mess of reverb on it.
2: That's your fault, then. Probably. I mm-hmm. doubled it. <laughs> but it works. What I hear, as long as it sounds good, that's all that matters, right? That's true. That might be my
1: favorite lyric, which I know we'll get to later, but... That's not... That would be a word. <laughs> I know, but like, it, it's it's because of that track, the way you said it, and it's so cool. Anyways, I love it.
2: No, nah, it's cool. I mean, with this one, and uh, I, I think Bobby's got some notes in this too, but it was interesting. I set out, and this was very intentional from the start. I set out to do a song entirely in falsetto. Now, if you listen to season one, I think the "Carry Your Dreams" episode, we talked about how you know falsetto singing uh, for a guy—it's it, a very vulnerable thing, you know, because you really put yourself out to. Because I'm used—I to, I mean, I came from metal, I came from being big voice, booming. You know, I open my mouth and the back row is going to hear it, even without a mic. So to do something kind of this intimate, like "Sunshine Girl." and to purposely do it in all falsetto was which is a different you know timbre to the voice than you know a lot of people are used to you know it's it's something that maybe that's why this song resonates with me so much because it's a very vulnerable vocal part sure.
0: I was going to use the word, I've used the word, um, delicate and, um, uh, sensitive doesn't seem right, but I think delicate is a good way to put it. It's, it's kind I'm of. I'm
2: okay with sensitive, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have high self-esteem and I'm completely, you know, okay with my sensitive nature.
0: The, any, any singer, I think any singer who normally sings in kind of a belting, very powerful, um loud and kind of, I mean, hard to miss voice. Eric, you and I both were very loud singers normally. I think going into any sort of really kind of softer whisper or falsetto kind of voice, there's, there's a vulnerability to it. And I think you demonstrated that perfectly with this song, that sort of vulnerable, sensitive side and, and you wore it well.
2: Well, thanks man. You know, it's uh. You know, like Bobby says, we're belters. We're loud. We're in your face, you know, rock and roll up your ass, as Metallica would say, you know, and, and it's fun to do. It's fun to open your mouth and watch people's hair blow back because it's, it's powerful and it invokes something, you know, I don't know, primal almost in you. But then I think there's something more valuable to be able to turn that off and communicate something soft, And sweet. You know, there's nothing weak about that. It's in many ways, it's more powerful to be able to do that. And that's definitely what I was going for with Sunshine Girl.
0: And there's also something to be, to be said, uh, and this usually more so applies to uh, mixing and things being loud versus quiet. There's a kind of unofficial saying of if everything's loud, then nothing is loud, meaning, uh, and in the case of Eric's voice here, if everything is just, you know, foot on the gas the whole time, it kind of loses its impact. And so, having that variety and that range, that dynamic range, going from soft to loud to soft to loud, it it gives the louder parts more impact and meaning.
2: Well, that kind of takes us, you know, to uh, talking about mixing. So, why don't you uh, go go a little deeper?
0: there? Yeah, um,
2: right, go ahead, Ninja.
0: <laughs> so, um, right out the gate, it's actually because it wasn't arranged in the way that we typically arrange a West of House song where we usually, and we've talked about this a little bit in earlier episodes, this season and last, usually we're kind of starting with like the drums, the bass, and like maybe one, two, maybe three core guitar tracks that kind of hold down the whole song. Plus the vocals. As the song moves from verse to chorus and verse to chorus, we tend to start adding things. So maybe in the second chorus, there's a harmony that wasn't there in the first chorus. And maybe in the second verse, there's an extra guitar. And we're used to, like uh, Eric mentioned earlier, adding more and more guitars and layering things quite substantially. This song had none of that. It's all the tracks pretty much play straight through. Nothing really jumps other than the vocals. Nothing really like comes in at a certain moment and comes out at a certain moment. So from a mixing perspective, as far as making sense of the song, keeping things organized and understanding what the parts do. It was pretty straightforward because it was drums, bass, two guitars, a synth track, and then the vocals kind of got their own special treatment. Um, We mentioned uh, reverb and I've, you know, we've talked about the goo in the past. And I think this was the song where you might've, uh, Eric, you might've shown me uh, the native instruments plugin called ROM. This might've been the first one we used it on.
2: I think I think this was the the ROM yeah. song. So
0: there's two plugins I like to use for, three technically, I like to use for building this massive reverb that we've built into the West of House sound. It's saved into my template now. One of them is uh, a very wet, ethereal uh, reverb plugin called ROM by Native Instruments, R-A-U-M, for any of the producers out there. And the other one is a combination of Portal, which was the original goo in uh, the first album, and uh, it's, it's that with Soundtoys' Echo Boy, which is just a delay plug-in that uh, models analog delay units from the 70s and 80s. And so we've got both of those going now in this song. And uh, like I said, I think this was the first song where we had both of them going. And part of the reason I think the reverb works so well here and we were able to have it as prominent as we were in this song is twofold. One, the stripped-back arrangement when you've got fewer things, fewer instruments competing for sonic space, you've got more space for something else to take over. Um there was some struggles on some songs earlier in the process where we were layering things up and it was kind of a balancing act of trying to decide what would give up that space, and sometimes it would to Tommy's detriment be the drums or sometimes the guitars would get smaller and you know so the drums could take up more space and sometimes the vocal just needed to take up most of the sonic real estate. So, because you're limited in as far as how much sound you can fit into two speakers. But with such a stripped back arrangement, we were able to throw a ton of reverb onto this thing. And on top of that, it's a slower song. And a slower song tends to lend itself to longer reverb and louder reverb as well. And that, coupled with just how the song was arranged and written in this very contemplative meditative sort of vibe lent itself and in fact was practically begging to just throw a ton of reverb on everything and get everything really drenched and ethereal sounding and it's it's as far as the sound design with the reverb it's probably my favorite one on this album.
1: Hmm. It's fun just listening to you talk. I have to say it's <laughs> it's so therapeutic and beautiful cuz you think of things that I to have never even knew that it existed and and you talking about it makes total sense. So you're also good at explaining something that I don't think most of the world ever even realizes.
0: <laughs> Thanks, so that man. was fun. Thanks, man. I uh, I wanted to be a teacher when I was younger and so explaining things was very important to me. Yes it is. Eric, what do you think about what do you think about the reverb?
2: It's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: I mean What do I think about reverb? More! It's like that Kylo Ren, you know, gif from Last Jedi where it just screams more. You know, that's, I mean, on this one, though, there's such, the the mixing is so good, and it just, it brought the song home, and like we talked about in the beginning, it's, there's not a lot of tracks, but it's so big, and you turn it on, and you just kind of get sucked in to this atmospheric it's like a, it's like a painting almost, you know, and you get drawn into different parts of it, but in its essence, it's this. I'm gonna use a term I don't even know if it's real or legitimate. It's the experience of the whole, whole, you know, the, the entirety of this song. It's it just it pulls you in and it takes you there and it's a warm, inviting place and it's I don't know. It's perfect. I know it's hyperbole. You know, I, I say it all the time, but there's something about this song. It's why it's the favorite, it's my favorite song on the album.
0: So, and going back to the few instruments thing, I almost kind of look at, you know, when you, when you, from a mixing engineer and producer uh, perspective, generally speaking, if you're putting reverb on something or you're putting echo on something, it's not meant to stick out so much as just, kind of enhance whatever is going through it. So, you put reverb on a snare drum, it makes the snare drum sound huge. Um, but I kind of treated the reverb once I got it up to the level where we eventually ended up leaving it for the song, I kind of treated it like its own instrument. It was like a having another keyboard that was made up of a reverb of your voice and the guitars and the existing keyboard track. And it just kind of became like this fourth melodic instrument. So that was super fun for me. Um, I kind of borrowed that from, if you listen to the first Hozier record, you hear a lot of similar thing as far as just reverb all over the place, acting as another melodic contribution to the sound rather than just being an effect of putting somebody or something in a space. So that was kind of the inspiration for that.
2: Do we have to give credit to reverb now on NASCAP?
0: That's <laughs> just uh, just rev- all reverb. Doesn't matter which plugin it is. Take it back to my notes.
2: Written by Eric Beger and Reverb. reverb. <laughs> Re verb
0: uh reverb it's it's
2: <laughs> reverb <laughs> it's, it's european it's french french yeah <laughs> it's originally jimmy coke
0: uh so i mentioned uh I, I asked lance about the bass early on uh and i forgotten i'd done this until i looked at the session again today so the reason i asked about that was because this bass and i've talked about your thunderous lows your very thunderous bottom uh in the past But this song, particularly, your bass line sounded like it didn't have a ton of the kind of higher frequency of a bass, which is usually mid-range in the broad spectrum of things. We're we're talking, if you want to get super nerdy, we're talking like 500 to 800 hertz. Your bass was really mostly sub, like really, really low frequencies without a lot of the detail that you get in the upper mid-range. And so that was why I was asking about the tone knob, because it sounded like the tone was rolled off and you just found a very dark, uh, warm tone that definitely fit the song. Uh, I had a bit of a tough time getting some definition of the notes. When, When mixing bass, it can be pretty... It can be, isn't always difficult to get that to translate across smaller speakers. So you've got a thunderous low bass line that works well if you've got a good hi-fi system or a good car system or some system with a subwoofer. But, you know, a lot of people are listening on earbuds or even their phone speakers, which, listen, you do you, but you should really experience a West of House on a good set of speakers or headphones. But you still want the bass to be able to translate and be at least heard a little bit on a phone speaker that can't produce those lower frequencies. So you usually end up treating the mid-range so it kind of comes through where you hear the bass on those small speakers. And you you're you almost like faking the sense of having a low bass on that small speaker. What I actually ended up doing was I duplicated your bass. So you could have done the trick you have, Lance, of just recording your bass twice. Because I, I duplicated it anyway. So you would have saved me a, a copy-paste. Um
1: That's a quad quad bass then?
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> so what I ended up doing, and I've done this a couple times before, but slightly different. So you can s- duplicate the track and you treat the low end of the bass. You'll like filter out everything above a certain frequency. I'm going to arbitrarily say 400 hertz. And so you're only working with the very low end of the bass, the the part that you're actually going to feel in your chest if you've got a subwoofer. And you treat that, and specific to this song, your bass playing, it's a very slow kind of quarter note or whole note part where you're just kind of holding a note and then you move and hold another note. Whereas something like uh, Fall Down, you've got a much busier bass line. With you holding out those notes, I really wanted those that bass to remain solid throughout the entire duration of each note instead of like you play the note and you kind of and it drops off, and then you hit another one, and it, I wanted it solid and sustained. So I treated the low end pretty heavily. That's probably the most heavy-handed I've been with your bass, just to get that low fundamental note of your bass to hold through. And then on the other duplicated track, I filtered off those lows that I treated, and I think I added a little distortion. It it doesn't come off as distortion when it's in the mix, but that actually helps the kind of more mid-range uh, frequencies that tend to gel well with guitars poke through a little bit on a phone speaker so and you hear the note more than you feel it in that range so your your bass gave me some trouble i ended up wor- you know getting it able to work of course but uh, i had grievances at the time
1: <laughs> I, I feel so bad you held on to those for so
3: long and
0: really don't feel bad like this is me just you know i get to the song and i realize that what you're playing fits the song perfectly it's just an engineering thing on my end where I'm like okay this fits how do I make it like take it you know that extra 10% to really work in the mix of the song um, sound
1: correct and like you said thinking about the consumer with whatever the hell they're listening with that makes a difference obviously headphones are probably the most common car might be the second most common and the fact that you think about that is another thing I enjoy listening coming out <laughs> of your mouth
0: the 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 big thing about mixing that you hear a lot especially if you go through any sort of uh you know educational program if it's like formal through a school or if you just buy some courses from reputable sources online to help you you know hone your craft in translation is the name of the game when it comes to mixing and what i mean by that is translation across multiple sound systems and what happened with me when i was first learning what happens with most people when they're first learning mixing if they decide to get into this is They'll mix something where they think it sounds amazing on whatever system they're mixing on, whether they've got a decent set of studio monitors or if they're just mixing on, you know, maybe they have the Apple um you know earbuds or uh, beats, headphones, or whatever listening to the device they have, they'll get it to sound amazing on that. But then, you know, they put it out in their car system and it's got too much bass or not enough bass or the guitars are really. Tinny and harsh, and it doesn't have a whole lot of body, any number of problems. So, translating, getting something that translates well to multiple sound systems that's going to sound good darn near everywhere you put it, that's really the name of the game with mixing.
2: So, I, I don't know anything about mixing, but it sounds like such a daunting task because that's the one thing we can't control. We can't control how people listen to the music, you know, whether it's through your car. Or, you know, through some HS8s at home if if you got a studio. Or the earbuds, which, God, just kills me. I mean, come on. It's music, man. Don't do that to yourself. At least buy some decent things. I I use the Power Beats. You know, I like them. It's okay. Go buy them. It's fine. Uh, But, you know, we can't control that. And so to, to try to mix something, you know, thinking of all these different mediums that people could be listening to the music, you know, I know you, Bobby. Doesn't that kind of keep you awake at night?
0: Yes and no. Um, So it's something I've definitely learned over, you know, the however long I've, gosh, how long have I actually been mixing? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I've been recording my own stuff since I was like 16 and really probably started taking it seriously about, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe as far as like my mixing chops and skills and actually getting something across to the listener that, they could actually stand to listen to. Cause every now and then, like in the past I would mix something and be like, Hey, make sure you turn up your subwoofer. Why should I make them turn up their subwoofer? I should just turn up the bass on my end. So they don't have to, you know, they shouldn't have to tune their stereo system to my music. You know, there's always, you know, imperfections that come along with any sound system, particularly the smaller speaker stuff. And with that, you just kind of have to, it really comes down to, it is what it is. But when you've got a good balance between all the instruments and even then across the mix as a whole, where there's not too much bass and not too much treble and the lower mids isn't completely hollowed out where the song sounds kind of cold and, and inorganic, or if it's too much and it's just woofy, there's, there's just a balance to be struck. And it's just something that like my ears have gotten used to over time. I've been using the pair of speakers I have in here for the better part of, uh, let's say, eight years. I just added the sub- subwoofer this year, but I know my speakers. I know this room well enough. You just kind of get used to it and you learn what a good mix sounds like. And referencing other songs too. Go find songs that you enjoy the sound of. You can go back and forth from your song to the what we call a reference song. And you can say, oh, their song has more bass or less bass or the vocal's a little louder and more present in this. And you just kind of, Learn what a good mix sounds like by listening to good mixes. It's just a critical listening thing at a certain point. I
1: was just gonna say, like listening to you talk about this this craft, Bobby. It seems like almost every song, or at least between our two albums, it's this evolving art or skill set that you're learning where you hear something and it you think about something where you're like, ah, Okay, this is weird, or I don't like this. I'm gonna figure out a solution to make it what I think will make it sound better for the consumer. And it sounds to me every time you talk about one of these songs, that you're almost like learning something every single song you mix. Is that an accurate statement?
0: I, I would say that's an accurate statement. To specifically talk about your bass, that's um as that kind of weird splitting the track trick. That's actually something I picked up years ago uh, in the heavy metal scene. Typically, we're we're talking like thrash metal and progressive metal, uh, you know, just modern metal sort of thing. What's typically done with the bass is similar to what I did, but more drastic, where you've got one track that's all the lows, really clean, um, and compressed so that it's rock solid and even, and you just hear the bass and feel the bass the whole time. And then in the upper mids, you do heavy distortion, like like a cranked Marshall amplifier distortion. And you use that as sort of the the grind where you get more of that you know the the pick definition because it's usually picks in uh, metal bass playing. and so splitting the bass like that is a trick I learned a long time ago. I just toned it back, you know, seven or eight notches for Westa house, but I still the the result I got was what I wanted where I wanted a solid low end and upper mid note definition. That's an old trick i the, as far as learning things, I probably learn something on every mix that we do, even if I can't quantify it, because it is a constant evolution. And where, when I first started, the, the, you know, the, the progress I would make would be leaps and bounds at, at first, you know, the, this first mix I did was okay, but then, you know, I learned something there. And the next one, like, suddenly the drums didn't sound like absolute crap. And, and so I kind of got that down. And then the next one, you know, the guitars sounded better. And the next one, I finally figured out how to make a vocal, you know, stay up front. And, you know, it's kind of this these major chunks. And then as you keep getting further, and I'm sure anybody who does this professionally will tell you, you get to a point where it's very small increments. It's not a stop. You're not done learning. You're always learning. But it's every little bit is now we're talking 0.5%, 1% improvement. And sometimes that's obvious when I go back to, especially like Fallen. If I go listen to Fallen, the first song we mixed together, and then I come back to, I think was Apropos the last one we did for the album? Yep. I think it was Apropos. We'll say it was Apropos. The difference between those two, I can hear night and day, but if I listen from song to song, from Fallen to Voyeuristic, you know, on down the line in the order that we did them, it's not immediately obvious until you do the major jump from the first song to the most recent one. So,
2: so, so you're saying there's a, uh, a crescendo of silence remaster <laughs> in, in, in our future. I have
0: considered it, if anything, for my own sort of challenge. Um, especially now that I have the subwoofer in here, I can get Lance's bass and Tommy's kick drum hitting just right. So that might happen 2023, 24. And we'll call that song Grub and Grog, just to be clear. <laughs> um, as far as Tommy ruining things, actually, he did have me fly a couple crash hits into the middle of the choruses. So you had mentioned Tommy um, having played some parts and then coming back and saying he made a mistake, but you said, no, 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 we're not changing it. There, I think that was where a couple of the crash hits he had me fly in to the song were. And they were, if I was looking, if I remember correctly looking at the session, they were halfway through the first and second choruses. There's a little crash hit to kind of divide the choruses into two. And again, if I remember correctly, I think we had more of those crash hits. To back up and explain, what I'm talking about is Tommy would just hit the crashes independent of the rest of the song. And so he gave me a track that was just a crash hit in the overhead microphones on his drum kit. And he said, hey, put these crash hits at this spot, you know, and give me a time marker, you know, one minute 47 or two minutes 56, whatever it happened to be. And he'd say, put them here, 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 and here. And I think over the course of the mix revisions, we pared that down to just the two that ended up in the final song, both halfway through the first and second choruses. So Tommy did give me a little bit of work there, but I mean, it's, it's literally just copy paste and then, you know, fold them into the mix to make them sound like he actually hit them in the moment while he was playing instead of them being added after the fact
2: it's always interesting when you add something after the fact because i mean and i make fun of tommy for this and you know he's a drummer so he thinks drum things and i'm not a drummer (laughs) so i make fun of drum things but it you know he'll say something and in my mind i'll be like no one's going to know man you know you might but but no one's going to know about that crash yet.
0: <laughs> well now everybody knows.
2: <laughs> now now they're judging you, Tommy, from from beyond. Well, let's uh let's kind of roll on, you know, and talk about lyrics. So, this is a this is an interesting one cuz I'll be honest. You know, I put a lot of multiple layers in most of our songs, and this is one where there are not multiple layers so let's let's hear what's on your minds you or me Bobby
0: uh, I just did a bunch of talking you go Lance
2: well
1: I, I don't there's only pieces of it that I wanted to talk about and I always just want to listen to Eric tell all of us Westies included what the hell is going on in his brain his his dark brain that he often draws deep waters from and I already made one mention about the chorus but just starting off with the verse though I have no idea what the hell you're talking about um the, <laughs> the the title Sunshine Girl I you know comes off really happy and warm and positive but I'm gonna guess that it's not um you know Sunshine Girl where are you going where have you been and so obviously there's some dis- dissonance going on with the the two people involved um but who's the little star? Can I can I do like an inter, like a news interview with you right now? The little star is is that a person? Is that a is that a an idea?
2: So I I I kind of don't want to answer that question yet because the second I do, there's no more mystery to the song. Okay, that's fair. Because yeah, okay, because once I answer that, it, it's it's totally obvious.
1: And and you are a master at writing songs that you want anybody's version to be their version for their own ownership, right? Like, and I get that. So I don't want you to score anything. So that's an artistry that you master for sure.
0: Yeah. So I have, I think I have an advantage over you, Lance, because I have an Instagram account and I follow Eric on Instagram and he follows me and He's about to ruin
2: it. He's about to ruin it, ladies and gentlemen. So <laughs> it's okay. You are, are you there. sure?
0: Okay. Yeah, it's uh, okay. So
2: because we're gonna blow, I think we're gonna blow Lance's yeah, mind. So
0: uh, it's uh, your. I'm pretty sure your oldest daughter, when she was heading out to to school, um, out of town, out of state. I don't know if you want to disclose, you know, for personal information, but your daughter leaving uh, the state for college. And it's it's about your oldest daughter, yeah, because you posted "Sunshine Girl" in reference to her at some point.
2: Uh, well, you're you're one third, right. one third right. That's pretty good. One third right. So so "Sunshine Girl" is my uh, actually my wife came up with it. It's our nickname for Kyla, our middle okay. child. You know, and she is known as our Sunshine Girl. So there's actually, I mean, that's. It, it, it's interesting, Lance. I mean, yeah, sometimes I write and there's multiple layers and this means this and this one is so basic. It's just a song about Kyla. So, so the little star, you know, that you refer to is Kyla. Nice. You know, that, that first verse, shine down little star, sing for me little blue. The little blue refers to the color of her eyes. You know, and that kid, and I mean, uh, Lance, you know her pretty well. Yep. You know, and you know, where I say the darkness cannot stay against you, against you, my love. This is a kid that just radiates joy, you know, wherever she goes. And, you know, I'm eventually on all our albums, I'll have a song for each kid, but but this one was hers. So I was very, you know, intentional, very, it's very simple. It's repetitive. This is the song is intended to wash over you, you know, kind of along with the music. The lyrics go along with that, and that's why I repeat, you know, Sunshine Girl, where are you going? Sunshine Girl, where have you been? Because this is the kid, you know, that's that's always by my side. Uh, she's definitely my most affectionate. Uh, that comes up in the second verse. Uh, Grace, laugh with me. In your eyes I see God, which we do in our kids. And I say, don't let go, don't let go, because this kid, she's always wrapped around me, which is, I mean, as a dad, it's awesome because she's 16, and to have a 16 year old that is so affectionate and you know is wrapped around Daddy and doesn't want you know to let him go, I, I appreciate that as a father because normally you know your kids grow up and they kind of you know move on. My oldest is in New York now, you know my youngest is doing her thing but but Kyla's she's she's Kyla koala. <laughs> That's what my wife calls her because she's always just hanging on you and it's you know it's it's never annoying. It's never annoying. And that, you know, that's it. That's literally all this song is about. Uh, We had one reviewer really try to go deep into this. It's like, oh, Sunshine Girl, and, you know, she's been done wrong, and there's this darkness. I'm like, no, man, there's no darkness here at all. It is literally the simplest meaning song I have probably ever written.
0: I think the vibe of darkness might be coming from the fact that the verses and the bridges are uh, centered around a minor key. And it does sound kind of haunting. So it's interesting to hear. I mean, I had the inkling, as as I mentioned, but it's interesting to hear how much of a, a positive, adoring song it is to and about your daughter. That's that's super fascinating to me because the music kind of contradict, contradicts that a little bit.
2: Well, and that's the fun thing about being a writer. I mean... You take a song like, well, we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> so we have another song that we'll talk about yet that's a it's in a major key, and it's very happy, and it's one of the darkest things I've ever written. So I do kind of find joy in taking a song. I, I think this one's in E minor. and taking a song that's in a minor key and writing something very positive and joyful and, you know, just throwing that in that juxtaposition uh throwing positive lyrics into a minor key song throwing some darker lyrics into a major key song that's that's a writing trope 101 you know it's it's something that all writers out there should be trying to do because you don't want to necessarily spoon feed your listener you know make them think take them on a journey uh do a little reveal there pull a little six sense You know, at the end, like, oh my God, Bruce Willis was a ghost all along. Yeah, I spoiled it. If you haven't watched it yet, that's your bad. It's 2021, man. You know, but it's fun to do as a writer. You know, to do the things that aren't necessarily expected.
0: Wait, so I haven't seen Die Hard yet. He's he's a ghost at the end of that.
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. In the in the greatest Christmas movie, second greatest Christmas movie ever. I don't know. What's
0: your what's your number one?
2: You already know what my number one is because I introduced you to Ooh, it last okay. year. Okay,
0: Anna and the Apocalypse.
2: Absolutely, Anna and the Apocalypse Ooh. is the best Christmas movie ever. Hands it's down. good. I don't. I wow. would put
0: it at number one, but I I would probably top it's five number one. it.
2: No, you you'll come to your senses eventually. Wow, <laughs> romance, musical, zombies. What what beats that?
0: Hans Gruber falling uh, to his death from the top of Nakatomi Plaza.
2: He can only yeah. fall to his death once per per movie but, but they slow know,
1: it down so you get to enjoy it for as long as possible
2: you know if you pause that at the right moment hans gruber looks exactly like martin short huh <laughs> that's an i want interesting you to go back example. and watch that to. and pause watch the for the season and it's it's martin short and you'll never see the movie the same way
1: okay well it's i, I want to add on to this now that you've revealed the curtain um, we're talking about lyrics, which by the way is a lovely word and even a better name. So any of you out there prospective fathers to be, I give you full <laughs> uh rights to name your daughter Lyric, which is my middle daughter. And Eric, it's funny that you now bring that up because lyrics my middle daughter and Kyla's your middle daughter, and lyrics the exact same way. She's super affectionate, it's never annoying. She's always on us, hugging, grabbing. It's it's funny now that you reveal that because every word now that I'm looking at the lyrics while we while you listen to me talk, um, this fits her exactly, and I wonder if there's something about the middle child. I know at least my children absolutely, yeah, my children
2: absolutely something. All middle children everywhere. I mean, they kind of get the bum rap, you know, feeling like they're not the oldest or not the youngest. But there's something of just about the nature, the personality of the middle kid that is, as a parent, at least from my experience, is so awesome. Yeah. You know, because they they don't walk to the beat of the normal drummer. They always do their own thing. They just seem to really cling to the parents, not in a bad way, but then also can step out and do something completely insane that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, It's fun to watch. I mean, I think if we compared and contrasted, because you have three kids, I have three kids. If we kind of went, okay, the oldest does this, the middle does this, and the youngest does this, I bet you dollars to donuts that it would be very similar between the three of them.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel like I know them pretty well. And I, mine typecasts the first, middle, and youngest perfectly, I feel. The, the one I, Katie's the one that I feel like, because my youngest Isla is,
2: she's nutso. And, is a blast. The youngest is a the youngest is a wild card, man. Absolutely, it's always a wild. You don't know where it's gonna go.
1: So Katie is a quiet girl, but I don't think she is when you get to know her. I'm sure um, she's not
2: quiet at all. Yeah,
1: so I'm sure she's nutso <laughs> as well. So that's just so funny how our middles fit this song perfectly, and she has blue eyes as well, so it works out well.
2: Middles need you know they need more representation.
1: So then
0: Eric, I have a question before we wrap this up here um, regarding the lyrics. Uh, what's the significance of where are you going, where have you been uh, with re- regards to your middle kid?
2: You know, it's it, it's not a, I know a lot of people listen to it and they they kind of take the darker tone of that. There's nothing darker. It's just kind of with that kid, with Kyla especially, she's always doing something that, you know, surprises me. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. and And it's silly, but it's wonderful. So she got her first job recently and, you know, started getting paychecks and that's awesome. So my wife and I are sitting down to a meal. We hear the Amazon guy drop off a package. We don't really do anything about it. We hear the door open uh, and the package, you know, the package is gone. So the door opens and Kyla walks into the room in a full head to toe lobster (laughs) outfit. She's dressed up like a freaking (laughs) lobster. And all she said was, I saw it on TikTok and I had to have it. Best purchase I've ever made in my life. You know, and, and that's that's kind of the that that's kind of the course. It's like, where are you, you know, where are you going? Where have you been? You're doing these things that consistently surprise me and bring me joy and, and make me laugh. And it's just it, it comes down to, you know, a kid having their own personality that is so unique and so special that it constantly brings something new to my life as a dad.
0: There's there's something inspirational there, too, um, that I think would be uh, just good for anybody, no matter how old, is the sort of, you know what? That seems like fun. I'm going to do it. And in Kyla's case, it was a lobster outfit, and I think that's awesome.
2: Yeah. It's a lobster outfit, and who knows what will show up next week. <laughs> um, Sure, it will be something, you know, it, it'll be something unique, and then I'll... Have a talk with her about, hey, here's what we actually do with our money. <laughs> and hopefully not destroy her her soul with it. But yeah, turning around and seeing your kid in a lobster outfit. Well, that's and that doesn't happen too often. Random
1: and fantastic. Yeah. Random and fantastic.
2: So while we're talking random and fantastic, let's play a non-random and fantastic song. So Westies, without further ado, here is Sunshine Girl. Lance's favorite, probably my favorite, too, for West of House songs. Uh, closing thoughts before we get out of here and look forward to the next episode, gentlemen. Yeah, I
1: think it's a change-up. That's why I love this song, as you mentioned. It, it I think it's my favorite, though there's a few others that are so fantastic. But it's just simple. We've mentioned that in this episode. It's beautiful. Now that I know it's about our middle daughters, I'm glad I knew that. Uh, now I can think of lyric and Kyla every time I listen to this, which, again, I love it.
2: There you go. You you have my permission to steal it, you know, and and sing it to lyric. And when you do, please uh, record it so we can play it on the podcast. Because <laughs> I, I've already we've already had Tommy sing your dreams on here, which was wow. You need to go back to that episode, folks. But you singing sunshine girl. And you got to do it in falsetto too. Well, plus the,
0: right, I got to get into (laughs) that. So I want you to record that to the song so I can drop it in place of Eric's vocal, because I want to hear the Lance edition of Sunshine Girl now. Uh,
1: It'll be beautiful. I'll mix it
0: and drop it in. I'll auto tune the crap out of you if I have to, man, or I won't.
2: No, don't, 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 don't do that. (laughs) It, it needs to be I pure don't know. I and beautiful. I think Lance
0: having the, the T-Pain effect might be kind of funny, though. That'll go platinum. Oh, well, maybe
3: we'll
2: do. There'll be two different versions. We'll do a maxi single with this song with, like, the Kevin version, the Lance T-Pain version, the Tommy crying in the bathroom version. You know, it's going to have, like, five different remixes on it.
0: Uh, as as far as my thoughts, I I mean, it's a, it's a great song. it's I have my favorite on Drown the Wind, and we'll get there eventually. Uh, but this is up there. It's a it's a fantastic song. I Whoa. love the moodiness of it.
2: Oh, we haven't got there We haven't, oh, we haven't there yet. got there. No, I'm, we'll, I'm get, get there. we'll get there. Excellent I'm intrigued. We'll get there.
0: You know what it is. I mentioned it and we ended up not.
2: Yeah, I, for, I forgot. It, oh, okay. So this is, you know, it's just, it's kind of the fun of having the terrible memory. I get to enjoy the surprise again.
0: <laughs> At any rate, it's a fantastic song. I'm glad we had the chance to talk about it.
2: It was good. And, you know, to you Westies out there, thanks for joining us again. Uh, as always, this was a fun one. The opportunity for us to get together, to talk about the music, to have you guys listen, and to get your feedback after the episodes—that's that's really rewarding. And we just we never take for granted the fact that you guys are giving up your time to listen to a bunch of dudes talk about music that they love. But I think it's because for whoever you are out there, music has to be in your soul, and it's the core of who you are, and kind of sets the stage for how you live your life. And and we definitely, uh, we relate to that and we're good with it. But, you know, we got to close out with all the commercial stuff because, you know, it's the thing to do. So next episode, Beautiful Distraction. Uh, that's going to be a very cool episode. You're going to hear some cool secret facts about that song. And there's a, unlike Sunshine Girl, there's a ton of layers. There's a lot going on. It's definitely going to be worth tuning in. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to Echoes Down the Road on whatever medium you listen to it, and you can also find us on social media. You can find us on Spotify, on Apple Music, on Bandcamp at westofhouse.bandcamp.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, using the name West of House Band. If you find us on YouTube, that'd be great to subscribe there. We are youtube.com C, as in cockatrice. Slash West of House, Come YouTube dot com slash C slash West of House. Cockatrice. That's Co- a wow. That's a creature from you know mythology. Bobby, how would I pronounce uh, that?
0: Uh, Cacatrice. Oh man.
2: <laughs> no. Cockatrice. You would ruin it. Cacao. 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 So, but you know, hey. This was a great one. Guys, thanks for this. This was fun. My pleasure. I enjoyed it again. We we should do it again sometime. Maybe Tommy will join maybe, us.
0: Maybe. Maybe he'll be late on a flight. Maybe. Here.
2: Oh, Tommy. Shut up, Tommy. Wow. Well, thank you. And everyone, have a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, we appreciate you. And we will be back next episode with Beautiful Distraction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Awkward pause for effect.
2: <laughs> ah, that's the fun of editing. You know, yeah. I can edit out all the jerk off responses.
0: Oh, uh, if well, only you got the video with it too. <laughs>
2: oh,
0: thank God they don't.
1: <laughs> well, I will yeah, say it's... when you share those tracks with vocals, Eric. Normally, uh,
2: hey, you... back up. That, that the demo's not with vocals. Oh,
1: then I'll pull. Ahead, I'll pull. I'll, let me pull out real quick.
2: Yeah, good effort though. <laughs>